If you would like to support the podcast and get some extra content while you're there, head on over to patreon.com forward slash severe MMA podcast and sign up. From the rewatch to the Q&A, we will have loads of content every week. So sign up, patreon.com forward slash severe MMA podcast. And now, here's the podcast. Graham McDonald is an idiot. Sean Sheehan of severemma.com. He even has the audacity to call himself the quote-unquote pod god. This is Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. The Severe MMA podcast is finally here. Welcome to the Severe MMA podcast. Here's your host, Sean Sheehan. Welcome, welcome everybody. It's episode 385 of the Severe MMA Podcast. My name is Sean Sheehan, joined today, as always, by the Phil Bab of Irish Mixed Martial Arts Media, Graham MacDonald. As we talk some MMA, we look ahead to uh, UFC 280, which is coming up uh, next week. We also uh, are going to talk about some other mixed martial arts, you know, whatever happens, whatever occurs. Whatever you know, we we're recording this a bit early. I won't lie. So we'll we'll uh, yeah we'll we'll see what's going on. We'll uh, we'll look at the the UFC if it's worth talking about. If it's a, do you know what we're at that stage now? I think where a lot of people like don't really care that much about a lot of what's going on in the UFC, and I think we're probably better off concentrating on what people care about and what we care about. Like, we, we care about a bit about everything. It's great to have Spencer on board as well now, as I'm sure people are, are looking at, because he, he is in, that is his bubble, and he's looking at all of that, whereas we're kind of looking at everywhere across the world. So I feel like the everything is getting caught, and I, I think that maybe opens us up to talk about other stuff as well, which is absolutely great. And uh, it's great to have um, Spencer on board. It's great to have a full team of, of uh, MMA people like, um, in different parts of it, like we have Spinter in the UFC, we have, you know, uh, the the Old Triangle podcast doing all of that great stuff. We have the Patreon, which is absolutely fantastic. Where you know myself and Ian do the uh, the look around, you know, with the chasing back with all the uh, MMA all around the world. And we have interviews with people in Cage Warriors and in the local scene, and we've Harry and myself talking about you know the the kind of the the background issues of mixed martial arts as well over in Speaker's Corner. So I know I've been saying it a lot over the last while with the Severe MMA crew now, and, and this even goes more so since Spencer came on board, it's the best crew we've ever had. And you know what? It's right up there as, as one of the best crews in mixed martial arts right now. We may not have the clickbaity bullshit. We may not have the Jake Paul stories. We may not have the oh, six-month medical suspension. That's never going to happen stories. But we have real legitimate podcasts. We have breaking news. We have great interviews. We have top, top quality content. And I'm very, very proud of that. So um, if you want more of that, and you want to support everything we're doing, Patreon. You know where to get us, Severe Me over on Patreon, patreon.com forward slash Severe Me podcast. And as well, before we get into the, the, the podcast, uh, we have to give a shout out to our friends at Manscaped because they've been a real help to us. And you know, you know, people probably listen to this like, oh, here comes another ad. But these ads help us and they're a real, real help. And we uh, we uh, couldn't keep the, the show on the road if we didn't have the help, uh, the help of the likes of Manscaped, especially Manscaped. They've been with us for near, nearly two years now. It's absolutely fantastic. And the support you have shown them and the support Dave shown us has been absolutely brilliant so um, you know it's Halloween coming up we'll have to cue the haunty music because Mike Myers sure is scary but the last thing you need uh, is to be hairy 
this Halloween, <laughs> luckily our friends at Manscaped launched our fourth generation performance package to make sure your pumpkins get the ultimate carving experience on this spooky day. Turn your bite-sized treat into a king-sized candy and join the six million men world Bite-sized treat and king-sized candy whale. I'm just sort of getting a, uh, Anyway, uh, join the six million men worldwide who trust Manscaped by going to manscaped.com for 20% off and free shipping. That free shipping is absolutely brilliant, lads, by using the code SEVEREMMA. Make the right call this spooky season. It's a trick or trim. Um, we all, like, all of us here, all the crew at Severe, all our, our fans at Severe, if you're a new fan, get on board at Manscaped. We all remember back in those days, you know, and for me in college, or for, I'm sure, the, the younger lads coming up where we're like, you know, we're, you hear about manscaping for the first time ever, and you're like, what, lads? What did I do? And you might have an old, you know, there, there might be a, a hair, <laughs> hair cutters in, in, the, in the back of the press or something, and you're like, go on, I'll give it a try, so when everyone's gone away, and then you're like, ah, you're, you're fucking tearing the balls off yourself, but that's not going to happen with Manscaped because they're absolutely uh, brilliant. They reduce uh, nicks and cuts and all of that. Um, so it's not going to be like a Freddy Krueger film when you have Manscaped because they're there to save the day uh, and have you feeling your best in your costume. Unlock your confidence with the Performance Package 4.0. Inside, you'll find the holy grail of men's grooming items. Uh, they made it easier for you to upgrade your grooming routine. It's a full moon out and the werewolf in your pants is howling. It's time to tackle the problem with the Lawnmower 4.0. It's a finely tuned pube product. Features cutting-edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accents thanks to advanced skin safe technology the uh, lawnmower 4.0 is the greatest ball trimmer on the planet without a shadow of a doubt then I mentioned this trimmer is waterproof too the trimmer is a shower essential uh, in that performance package 4.0 you also have the weed whacker we're all getting a bit older now lads it's an absolute game changer this is this is it cuts your nose and ear hairs uh, and it provides a proprietary skin safe technology which helps to prevent nick snags tugs in those most delicate areas seal the manscaped uh, deal with the liquid formulations the crop preserver ball deodorant crop reviver those are my two favourites I use them all the time that's absolutely uh, brilliant trust me when I say fellas your balls will thank you manscaped has also launched their body buffer this is 100% antibacterial scrubber um, it's just what you need to keep fresh and clean this Halloween uh, manscaped even threw in two free gifts to their performance package 4.0 the boxers and the shed travel bag bring your comfort and your boxers to another level also uh, if you're looking uh, like wolverine and haven't cut your nails recently be sure to try out the shears 2.0 nail kit i know my missus actually got that i know this is manscaped but and she absolutely loves it so it's it's uh it's good for all the family so get 20 percent off and free shipping with the code severe manscaped.com that's 20 percent off plus free shipping with the code severe manscaped.com so trick or treat to your beautiful new Halloweeny with Manscaped. Right, Graham. Uh, you before we get into UFC two eighty, I suppose I, I was just talking there uh, uh, before uh, you know before we the the, uh, the Manscaped read and stuff about uh, the team we have today and all of that and how maybe it'll give us a bigger scope to talk about other things and talk about you know maybe not just look through the card that's about to come or look through the card that's happening. Although UFC two eighty, we got, we have to do that because it's such a great card. But we. I, I've been saying it for the last while. I like I genuinely think we have the best team we've ever had with at Severe May. You know, it's been to covering the UFC now with the lads covering the local Irish MMA scene with the level of interviews that are going up and with our ability to kind of cover all the stuff and with the Patreon as well with Speakers Corner, myself and Ian doing the um you know, doing the uh 
uh, the, the, the chasing back and in the hot topic as well, which gives scope to like talk about other stuff that we haven't talked about in the main podcast. I mean, it's good, good, good old crew going at the moment, Graham. Even to pat ourselves on the back a little bit, but it's uh, <laughs> it's good, isn't it? You know, I love to pat myself on the back. Um, now, uh, yeah, it's absolutely absolutely brilliant work over the last few months. I think I said it on a recent podcast, even last week, but uh, the team's really come together well. Everybody's working really well as a unit. You know. Uh, even at Bellator there, you know, we got the videos out so quick just because we, we were all doing a certain thing. You know, you were filming them, I was exporting them and editing them and other people making screens or making the making the thumbnails and things like that. And it just, everybody's pulling together really well. And obviously Spencer has joined. And if, you, if you've uh, not seen Spencer before, he's been doing the preview shows with, with Ian and Harry and sometimes yourself uh, for months now, maybe even, maybe even coming up on a year. Uh, but he also has been doing his own Substack and his own YouTube uh, channel, which he's now completely moved over to us. So uh, you probably, if you're subscribed to the YouTube, you probably already noticed a couple of, video- of Spencer's videos. He's definitely very productive, and uh, yeah, it's absolutely great to, to have such a good team as you mentioned. Yeah, but fair play to you as well. You've taken kind of on a more of a an editor role as well, like the kind of or- organizer role. I don't know what the official title would be but you, you definitely uh, stepped up as well so yeah brilliant by everybody it's just you got too lazy and I had to do what you used to do <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm busy I'm busy with the big fish you know small potatoes like these John and, oh, I don't have time for the small people like yourself uh, no, you know? yeah, right. <laughs> in, in fairness to the two of them we, all, we always make time for the the up and coming lads you know and then help them out but that's the way you know that's the way it should, that's the way it should be and I, I like uh, I like that we we have that at the moment but uh, yeah we, we have some other things in the, in the works as well and some other things planned so uh, I suppose watch this space and it's always uh, uh, it's always good to get a, a lot of stuff and out and if there. you haven't already head over to YouTube uh, yeah. YouTube, uh, YouTube and subscribe to our YouTube we're at just under 20,000 so it'll be nice to, to clear it out we've uh, tried to make a push the last few weeks and it's really it's really worked out so far it's good to see people uh, subscribing and following the content and all that so maybe you're, you're not the most regular YouTube user, but uh, if you go over there and subscribe and turn on the notification bell, you'll get you'll get an alert whenever uh, one of our videos come out. That'd be great. Yeah, the YouTube, I think the YouTube has grown by um, around 40%, um, no, no, around 50% in the last year or so. And I think it's grown by like almost... 30% in the last three weeks so it's been absolutely massive so it's been on, our, on for years but we've uh, you know we went from 11,000 to 15,000 we're like oh we need to make a graphic 15,000 this was three weeks ago and now we're only a couple of hundred away from 20,000 so it's gone up massively in the last while and a big shout out to everyone who's subscribed there and is looking in we know that the, the content coming out there is absolutely fantastic and you know what it's going to make us put more content there so absolutely yeah, watch that catalog is absolutely brilliant as yeah. well there's loads of really good old awesome. interviews with with guys who are stars now and all, all behind the scenes videos, mini documentaries, there's loads of stuff there. Hundred uh, percent. Shout out as well to Andy Ryan before we start as well. He gave us a, a good uh, shout out about last week's podcast about the trip down memory lane. I really enjoyed that, and the feedback on it has been absolutely fantastic. A lot of people enjoyed it, so that's definitely the sort of thing I think we want to do more as well. And if you, you know, if, let us know if you want us to do anything. If there's any sort of, uh, you know, event you want us to look back at or time in MMA you want us to look back at, you know, we as I said, we have the scope now to do a lot more of that. So I'm I'm happy to do that in this podcast or on the Patreon or wherever it might be so yeah let us know what you want to hear because there's you know there's lots of room now for lots of different content and it's great that we have such uh, a brilliant team at the, at the moment because for a long time Graham for literally for ages there it was just the two of us at one stage and we were like we were kind of trying to do as much as we possibly could and it was very very tough but you know I didn't you know Andy came on board Ian came on board those two lads have been fantastic Ian has been an absolute 
godsend to me. He's been absolutely fantastic. And Harry came on board, being absolutely brilliant. I love all the stuff Harry does. His interviews are very different as well. You know, very, very different interviews uh, that Harry does. And if you like that sort of thing, you're, you're, every interview, doesn't matter who he's interviewing, you'll, you'll go and watch it. And obviously then Spencer as well, but with Jakey as well. And Harry... Um, uh, Harry Williams and all the other lads. Tio does great stuff as well. Every Bellator card is a preview. Does some good videos for us as well. And Patrick with the the, the photos and everyone else who uh, is a part of it. Fair play to to absolutely uh, all of you. And you know we 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 need to do that more often and, and give thanks and thanks everyone for listening as well. So anyway, we were, this this feels like the end of the podcast and we're just starting it. Um, it sounds like you're you're but you're retirement. <laughs> about to retire. Week. About to retire. Actually, I felt like retiring. Hashtag like having my retirement before <laughs> your podcast next week. <laughs> I'm, I'm back. Ah, oh, Jesus! I felt like fucking shit the last one. You had the Rona as well, didn't you? How did you, you just had a bad uh, headache? Did you? I actually don't know if I had the Rona or a flu or something, but I had like a headache for about ten or eleven days in a row. Just when I thought it was going away after about a week, I was like, oh, it seems to be subsiding. I woke up the next day with a fucking even worse headache. So I don't know what the fuck was going on, but it wasn't too bad besides that. It was just after after a few days, you, you know, it just starts to be fucking annoying more than anything. Yeah, we were sitting together for about six hours, though, and I did yeah. have to run aside. People everywhere, so yeah, yeah. One of, us, yeah. <laughs> one of us probably got it from the other one, but yeah, I... Uh, I I was over it completely after like the 10 days or whatever. And then like the last two days, I just got like fucking splitting headaches. And I mean, maybe it's nothing got to do with the run. Maybe it's something else, but oh, it's just been feeling fucking shit again. But thankfully today I slept in an extra bit and uh, a bit better. So not, not too bad altogether. Anyway, um, UFC 280 Graham let's talk a little bit about it because this is a, an absolutely fantastic card first of all it's on pay-per-view and I know yourself and uh, yourself and Harry wasn't it this week talked a little bit about it on Hot Topics so maybe you don't want to go do too much more my general thoughts in as well and I kind of mentioned it in the Q&A so I won't go into the loads I, I, I just think like I just think it's a misstep but, uh, uh, look there are lots of different integers when, when you're talking about this and I, I'll go through them maybe quickly here people some people are probably saying, oh, you're always talking about fighter pay. You're always talking about that. Why would you not give money so the fighters can ex- get extra money? If you charge me 30 quid, and that's what I think that's what it is, $29.99 in Ireland here, and you said that 30 quid, I, I could pick out which fighter, let's say Benny Lariush. I'll give that 30 quid to Benny Lariush. No problem. I would do it. No problem at all. If you want to do it three or four or five times a year, absolutely. Our, you know, all the money is, uh, if you pay 30 quid, I pay 30 quid. Ian pays, we all pay, well, Ian's in, in uh, uh, Canada, so that's different. But you get what I mean? Everyone in Ireland, everyone in the UK pays that. And it's divided evenly between all the fighters in the card. I, I think it would encourage more people to do it. Absolutely would. But we all know that's not happening. We all know that's not happening. Even if these guys are getting pay-per-view points, like, who would it be? Maybe Sterling is the only champion on the card, even though there's two championship fights. Look, there's four guys fighting in championship fights. Maybe all four of them are getting uh, pay-per-view points. Maybe two of them are getting pay-per-view points, whatever. Are they getting a massive percent or, or a, a small percentage even of the BT Sports box office. I don't know. No, I, I actually, I'm going to ask someone. So maybe by the, the next Q and A or by the time, um, well, I think if you are getting so, pay-per-view points, it is, or it is worldwide. But, is it? But is I that, guess, is yeah. that Conor McGregor well, or is I, that everyone? Yeah. That's what I was going to say. It could be a different thing. Like, you know, depending on how much leverage you have, maybe the pay-per-view points negotiation is, isn't as, um, you know, it isn't as simple as just a line in saying you'll get uh, the standard amount of pay-per-view or the standard amount of money per pay-per-view over 200,000, over 400,000, over 600,000 or whatever it is. Maybe it's the fact that, you know, uh, 
these guys like Sterling, you know, recent champions aren't really in a position. They, they don't really, you know, sell pay-per-views at the same rate as a, a Brock Lesnar or a Ronda or Connors like that. They're not really in a stronger position. They're, UFC could have them in a position where they're just kind of happy to get any kind of pay-per-view points. So, it, you know, these UFC contracts are pretty pretty um, secretive. You know, we don't really see them online. And um, it's really hard to know, really. But, yeah, I, I think... The difference in pay for the, the the people making the real money from extra pay per views is the UFC and the UFC's investors is not the fighters. They might make a slight bit more of exactly. the fighters, but yeah, it's an, it's it's very marginal. I think exactly, and even with the pay per views, it is like the, the what is it one to five percent ish if it's a big pay per view. So they're getting almost nothing of that. So like. I, I think that, that that argument is absolutely rubbish. That it'll benefit the fighters. It won't. It actually won't benefit the fighters. The other side of it, then. Um, you're having a pay-per-view in prime time here, which we very rarely have. You have this hardcore base of fans who stay up all night every Saturday or get up early on a Sunday morning to watch or whoever it might be. It's very tough to be an MMA fan. And then you have this great card, the one great card a year in prime time. And okay, we have some local ones, but the one worldwide prime time card we have a year and you're making people pay for it. You're you're making those people pay for it, right? But also you're you're looking paying at, for it twice though because yes, exactly. What it's is it? Twenty twenty something. Uh, how much is it? Uh, it's very expensive anyway. It's really and expensive. Top, and if you want Sky Sports and you want all the the other kind of sport, the other football, the other American football things like that, you're paying a big chunk for that as well. And then they're asking you to pay again. I know it's. I know it's during the day. It's not during the during the night. But it'd be nice to reward those people who you know pay everyone and watch the shows in the middle of the night until 7am but yeah money talks and you're also taking away the casual fan who might fall upon it and realise oh my god there's two title fights in this because it's rare we actually have those almost never in our prime time that are like free on BT Sports whatever. and when I say free it's not actually free but you get what I mean you're, you're taking away that kind of footfall fan that'll come in. Yeah, or exactly. Gun- it's not a Conor McGregor fight where we've no. been hearing about it for the last month and there's been loads of, you know, articles, loads of media. This could easily, like, uh, even people who are semi in MMA, like friends of mine, I wouldn't be surprised if they didn't even know, you know, this fight was coming up at the weekend. And as you say, it'll it'll likely just, just take away, especially it being at a completely different time uh, would throw some people off as well. So... If it was a Conor McGregor fight, maybe a John Jones return, a Brock Lesnar, or something like that. But yeah, for for this card, even though it is a really good card for for like you know the hardcore fans and for the even the casual fan, you know, as you said, people flicking through uh, the channels are are not going to be are 100%. not going to be seeing this, and it's yeah, it's a it's a strange decision by BT. I suppose Weird. they probably have in their contract that you know a couple of times a year or whatever it is, two or three times a year, they can make it a pay per view and. Connor hasn't fought this year. Jones hasn't fought this year. There's no real obvious big one to do it with. So they probably just had to do or, you know, in order to. And you're not going to be making big money out of this either because people are not like nobody's going to buy this. Like I I, I was thinking there like Joseph Parker fought. I I think it was your man. um, Oh, what's his name? Joe Joyce a couple of weeks ago in boxing. Uh, And I was like, oh, I saw it was coming up and I was like, all right, I'll go on to BT Sports, looked at it and it was on box office. I'm like, I'm not going to watch that. I like, And I'm like a casual boxing fan or whatever you might want to call it. I would absolutely have watched that if it was on, uh, if it was on BT Sport. 
Now maybe that's a little bit different because maybe Joe Joyce is a star or something. I'm not sure. Maybe he's not in in the yeah. UK. But these these five guys are not like Makachev, Oliveira, Sterling, Dillashaw. None of these guys are draws in the UK or Ireland. People are uh, the the, the hardcores like us will be forced to either buy it or stream it or whatever. But the you know the worldwide audience are not going to do it. You also as well. You've Man United playing there on uh, on Thursday night. You've Liverpool in the in the Champions League. I'm sure there'll be a big match on on Saturday as well on BT Sports. And you could say right, right after the match, you know, seven o'clock, um, big UFC pay per view card or big sorry big UFC numbered card. Go to BT Sport right after the card. Stay on the same channel. You can watch it here. But now we have to go to box office and it's Makacha versus Oliveira. How many of those those people know who Makacha versus Oliveira are? And how many of those people would just Tune in to watch a UFC card if they heard the lightweight title was on the card. The the kid, the, the they could say the belts formerly held by Conor McGregor. Yeah, and, I suppose uh, it, to, BT, it doesn't, uh, to BT it doesn't actually matter that much because they've already sold their subscriptions and probably already sold their ads. Yeah, but like you want more. Yeah, that's true. But you want more people watching. You want more people tuning in to your to your show. But the the ads are not already sold. The ads to get paid by the amount of people who are watching at the time. And like the MMA has younger viewers as well. Like the eighteen to forty nine bracket or whatever it would be would be way bigger if you had. Like, what are they going to have as an alternative here on on a Saturday night at seven o'clock? Like, maybe some boxing match, maybe some fucking speedway or some shit. Whereas they had this, a lot of people would be tuning in to actually watch it. And if it's on at seven o'clock as well, you know, people watching it before they go go out or whatever it might be, even tuning into the prelims, tuning into the early card. I just think it's a massive mistake by them. Like, and if they were to make a good bit of money out of it, I would say, look, fine, fair enough. I understand it's money; they're making money. But I truly believe they'll make absolutely nothing out of this. Like. It's, I, I remember one of these before there was there was something like I, I can't remember the exact number but like a thousand buys or something like that like literally that's the sort of uh, numbers these things do it's almost nothing like what is the point for all that surely you're earning more money than that out of ads by the extra people that would be watching at that time it just makes very little sense but anyway we'll uh We'll move on. I, there's just so look. There's so many reasons. If it was just like the anti fan, like the fan shouldn't have to pay for it. You could okay. That's just us giving out. Fair enough. But it's all it's anti casual fans watching it, and it's actually like anti monetary as well. I don't think you'll make that much money out of it. I don't think you make any money out of it. I think you could make more more money out of selling ads on this than you could selling it on pay per view. Alas. They're doing it, and uh, I I thought this was over with as well. I, I thought they had done it a few times, realized it's not going to work, and kind of got over that whole thing, even though it is in the deal, even though, as you said, they have the right to do it three times a year. Uh, but, yeah, unfortunately, here we go again. And, like, I could absolutely understand... Let's say if it was McGregor versus Oliveira here, no problem. Conor McGregor's massive in the UK, massive in Ireland, you're going to make a load of money out of it. I wouldn't like it. I would, don't want to pay the 30 euro. I don't want everyone listening to this to pay the 30 euro. But you could understand it. There, there's a reason behind them doing it. There's no reason. None of these lads are big draws in the UK and Ireland. They're absolutely not going to draw loads of people into watch this and make loads of money. But alas, it is a great card at the same time. And we'll move on and we'll talk about the card because it is brilliant. And as a worldwide card, as all, you know, the... the um, uh, the hardcores watching this, I take take absolutely nothing away from the the card. That was purely a talk uh, about the pay per view um, aspect of it in the UK and Ireland. Main event: Graham Charles Oliveira versus Islam Makachev. First things first, I suppose, is Charles going to make weight? I know a lot of people the last time were like, "Oh, you know, Charles, he shouldn't be stripped of the championship," and all that, all of this absolute bullshit. 
He came up from 145. He failed to make weight there multiple times. He came up to 155. He's failed to make weight there now as well. Uh, it's very hard to, to trust him to actually make weight. I think that's the first step that needs to happen. But after that, it's going to be a, an almighty fight, I think, in a very interesting matchup. What, what do you think of the whole Oliveira situation? I know we talked about it at the time, but again, on, on the whole weight cutting thing, Graham, what was your take on that? Yeah, it's it's definitely not a good look. And, uh, you know, him being the champion at the time, um, you know, kind of leaves the ability for the UFC to drop him down and kind of... Uh, or drop him, make him go up, make him go up in weight. And the fact that he's already fought at 145, he's fought a division down, it doesn't really make sense. We've seen Dana try to force people, but he's been looking so good at lightweight recently that they're they're obviously persevering with him and they've got a backup fighter apparently. I don't know, um, you know, how confirmed that is. Uh, Volkanovski came out and said it, nobody's really refuted it. So looks like it, it looks like it is, uh, it is the truth. And um, Volkanovski seems to be preparing as if it is the truth. So, uh, yeah, the UFC definitely have their reservations, but they they obviously would like to keep Oliveira at the weight at the weight class. There is some really you know interesting matchups, and he is you know if not the best uh, in the division at the moment, he's up there with the best. So for his own sake and for the UFC not forcing him to either get out of the title picture or go up a weight, then I think he has to make weight here. I think he will make weight. Um, you know, this is a really difficult fight to to choose. Like I've been going or to predict I've been going back and forth in my head and all week uh, last few weeks even and I always talk about this with Oliveira fights uh, it, it definitely is uh, more history than than the problem uh, recently but it still is there that maybe if the if the going gets too tough he might, he might kind of have that little bit of quit in him even though he's you know come through some some adversity, uh, some strong adversity uh, on his rise to the the UFC title, and maybe you know uh, having a family. And so I think Spencer was talking about just having a family and something kind of more to fight for has given him that. But it's definitely in the back of my mind that's there. And uh, no matter how good he's looked recently, I think that's definitely uh, still a factor um, in this uh, in all his fights going forward. But yeah, for Mac, for Makachev, he hasn't fought the same level of, of competition. You know, nowhere near the same level of competition that Oliver has been fighting. Um, you know, Habib's talking him up, saying he's better than him and all that stuff. I, I don't believe that at all. Uh, I think he's a very good fighter, but uh, I definitely don't think he. Uh, you know, the hype he's been getting from from his camp and from Habib is is uh, is genuine. I think. He's definitely he definitely has uh, more vulnerabilities, and Charles definitely uh, is extremely well rounded now compared to maybe just a grappling uh, artist he was when he first came into the UFC. So I think Charles has more ways to win, but you know if Makachev can implement a, a wrestling heavy game plan, it could be a long night for Oliveira. And if it is a long night of eating punches and elbows, we could see that kind of um, fight be beat out of him a little bit, like we've seen in the past. So. Yeah, it's a really difficult difficult one to call. Like, if I had a free bet, either way, I'd probably go with Oliveira. Even though he's the underdog, I think he he has more tools. Even though the the wrestling is very hard to stop, and we've we, we've kind of seen people stay away from Charles's uh, ground game and grappling at all, uh, grappling uh, areas uh, completely with with uh, in recent fights due to his finishing prowess, but. If Makachev can get him down and wear him down, and you know, it's, if Oliveira can't get the submission, then it could be a really long night for him. So, yeah, I'm, I'm really interested in this fight. It's a great fight. Uh, I'm not sure how it's going to look, which which I always like going into a fight. Sometimes it's a bit predictable. This one definitely isn't for me, and 
yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd lean Oliveira, but I wouldn't be surprised either way. Yeah, I, I would tend to agree with all that. Just f- on, on the first point you made there on, on Vulcan, obviously coming in, like, uh, as I let in with, with Oliveira missing weight and, and that being an issue, I think it's smart to have someone in the background. Uh, is it smart to have Volkanovski, the, the federal champion? Also, I predicted this like last week that Volkanovski would fight his next fight at, uh, at 155. So I, I was planning on putting that in my ball predictions for next year, but it's been fucking ruined now because it looks like it's already happening. So it's not that bold of a prediction. But um, uh, like you have Benil Dariush and Matthias Gamros on this card already. Like, is that not a pretty clear, easy guy? One of them makes one fifty five, and you put it in there. There's another one fifty five fight as well. Uh, Mustaya versus uh, Nikki Chihuahua, uh, whose name I pronounce perfectly. You're thinking the names aren't. Yeah, but Darius is and Gamera. Darius is the next guy. Like Darius is the next guy in line. That's plenty. Well, of how many people there. actually casuals know who he is? Yeah, yeah, but that's great. Put Sterling and Dillashaw as the main event in if that happens. I, I like. I, I don't think there's any problem with that. Having like a short notice super fight that's not actually a super fight that didn't work out great the last time it happened, did it? With Parry and and uh, and Holloway. I, you know, I, I would love to see. Um, Volkanovski fight Oliveira I would love to see Volkanovski fight Makachev two absolutely brilliant matchups whoever it might be but on this sort of short notice making weight in the background sort of thing not the biggest not the biggest fan of that to be honest I, I, I think it'd make much more sense to give the Darius or Gamrad a shot at it but anyway alas it, it doesn't really matter look hopefully they'll both make weight Oliveira has made weight more than he hasn't made weight and maybe that'll be a kick up the arse although he's had kick up the arses before and I haven't worked for him but I, I don't know on your point about Oliveira kind of have still having that the quitting him I don't I don't agree with that anymore to be honest he's had too many uh, challenges now with Poirier. Well, well, I think this is a very good. This if if it goes against him, this is a very good fight to prove yeah, that. Anyway. He's never been the sort of guy. Like when he has kind of given up, it's been when he got punched in the face really hard and like he fell. I mean, it was a couple once and he fell down and things. It's not like oh he gets taken down and he's getting dominated and he gives up. Like I think that's just the sort of a thing that anyone can get beaten and the fight can take get taken out of him that way uh, by, by a Makachev or by a Habib or by that sort of wrestler. It's not, I don't think that was ever his sort of problem. And if that happens to him I, this weekend, I don't think it's him like, oh, the old Charles Oliveira is coming back. Like if the old Charles Oliveira came back, it would have been against Gaethje when he got hit hard. It wouldn't have been against Chandler when he got hit, hit hard. So I, I, I'm not totally buying into that in this fight. And also along with that point, like Charles Oliveira's flaws in the last few fights have been my god he's almost getting knocked out early in almost all of his fights but he's coming back to win him like Makachev is not exactly a big massive puncher who's going to come in there and almost knock him down or, or hurt him early or almost knock him out early sorry I, I mean no maybe he will but I, I don't think he will and that leads to a very different Charles Oliveira fight so the worries we had over Charles Oliveira in the last few fights were is he going to be able to get through almost getting knocked out to come back and win it yes has been the answer in the la- in what maybe two or three of the last three or four fights uh but that's not going to be a question this weekend I don't think the question this weekend is is his jiu-jitsu going to be good enough to beat Makachev's 
wrestling? I think that's the big question here. Now, maybe it'll turn into uh, five rounds of kickboxing from the outside. If it does, you'd have to favor Charles Oliveira massively because his uh, power striking has been absolutely fantastic over the last while. But will he want to throw as many wild techniques as he has been because he knows how good Mikachev's uh, wrestling is before the integer to decide his striking acumen was based on his ability to destroy everyone on the ground? Will he be able to destroy Mikachev on the ground? Will he be as confident in his jiu-jitsu beat Mikachev like the, the confidence in the jiu-jitsu is what leads to the confidence in the striking if he doesn't have the confidence in that ground game will he have the confidence in the striking I think there's a big big question mark over that and if he does have that confidence in the striking if he says all right I'm going to come out I'm going to submit if it goes to the ground I'm going to throw these big uh, uh, what did Jer Harris call him these big um, uh, the, the high what is it high velocity movements or something like get up over that I I, I that could land him on his arse very, very quickly. And I could see him taken down multiple times and laid on top of and beaten in that fashion. It really, really could. So it's the, the, tech, the techniques that Charles Oliveira uses in this fight, the tactics with which he fights are vastly more interesting than anything else, I think, in the last few months in MMA. I cannot wait to see what he does. Is he going to try to fight like an outside game against Mikachev? We, you look at Mikachev's one, you said, oh, he's not as good as Habib. I actually think he's a better striker than Habib. He's a better, he's a good jab. He's a, a good technical striker, better than Habib. As Habib used, all of Habib's good technical striking was because people were so fiercely afraid of his wrestling in the third and fourth round that he could kind of jab the face off. Look at Ayakwinta, he jabbed the face off him for a full round because Ayakwinta was afraid to do anything. Mikachev can actually strike but I, I just wa- I, I just wonder if this does turn into a fight where it is the wrestler on top versus the BJJ guy on the bottom after getting taken down how will that fight look? look will it be Mikachev just destroying Oliveira and winning the fight on top landing big ground and pound you know holding him down not letting anything get off or will Oliveira's guard be so good that Mikachev can't be as dominant on top or he'll get caught in something what what, what do you think about that like the the ground game who do you think is going to win that that ground game if it go let's say we're 15 minutes on the ground in this fight who do you think gets the upper hand there or, or uh, the yeah. large periods on the ground I suppose rather than if it's 15 yeah. minutes probably Makachev I, I do think if, if it's a long time on the ground I think it, it definitely uh, leans Makachev um, but uh, Oliveira I think while they're dry and while, while he's kind of uh, fresh he's, he's definitely uh, got the upper hand in terms of maybe going for a finish uh, through, the, through the grappling but you know, obviously Makachev has been wrestling his whole life, and he's been he's been uh, defending um, jiu-jitsu and attacks. Uh, he's he's well able. So going into this camp, that'll probably be a big part. If he does kind of you know uh, lose a scramble or lose position, he he probably is well prepared. But we've seen Oliveira went you know show a different level to to most you know UFC fighters in terms of uh, finishing ability with the grappling. So. The longer it goes, definitely uh, Makachev, but early on, Oliveira. So uh, if it's 10, 15 minutes of grappling, it, it, it's probably not good for Oliveira. But uh, if, he, if, he, if you know, Makachev needs to, can't really get going on the feet and needs to kind of go in for a takedown without setting it up, he could end up in big trouble. He could end up with his, with his uh, you know, neck snatch for a guillotine or his back taken. And that'd be very bad news when you have a fresh Oliveira and you're both dry. So yeah, it's a really interesting one. Um, 
you know, it's a difficult one to pick, isn't it? I, I, I really. Yeah, I'm leaning Oliveira, but I can see, I can see the fight play out a completely different way, where where he just kind of can't get the can't get the submission or, or ends up on his back and can't you know uh, work any any meaningful scramble to get up or just basically gets uh, grinded on and, and kind of beat down. But he he's shown over the years that he is a finisher and he's he's shown his strikings come on and his confidence is like a huge huge thing. Uh, confidence in sport is, is massive and especially in MMA and he's definitely brimming with confidence more than more than he has been in his career. And I'm sure Makachev is very confident as well, but. This is a big step up in competition for him, and Oliveira has kind of been on this mm-hmm. huge stage before. It's not his first t- title shot. It's not, you know, it's not his first huge main event. It's not his first pay per view, and he's been here many a time. So that could play a factor as well. I think your point there about the level in which Makachev has been fighting is is a very valid one because I I believe that if you have the ability. Uh, Sometimes it's hard to get matchups. Like I'm looking here, he's supposed to fight Rafael Dos Anjos three times and it fell through. You know, he has fought Armin Saryukin, who's one of the best in the world, but that was three years ago. You know, he has fought Bobby Green and Dan Hooker, who are good fighters, but he's never ever fought anyone. Like is he has he ever fought anyone ranked? I don't he's definitely not fought anyone in the top five anyway. And there is uh, or there can be a thought in your head and there should be a thought in your head that he has never proven it against the top fighter because he hasn't. Now, that doesn't say he can't, that doesn't say he won't on Saturday or that he won't in the future, but that question still remains. Like, there is a big jump up. I was talking to someone last night uh, or, or the other day about it. I mean, was it. Maybe it was Harry on the speaker's corner or something, but the difference between... Um, Number one in the UFC, the champion in the UFC, and number three in the UFC in most divisions, uh, the, the that ability of those fighters there, the gap between those fighters and like six and seven in the division is bigger than the gap between six and seven and fifty in the division. The the ability to be an elite, as you say, Rob, your friends, the upper echelon of the upper echelons is massive. It's absolutely massive. Like we are, are at a stage in the sport where we have, especially in the lightweight division like this, we have unbelievably well-rounded fighters for days. We have 50 or 100 of them. We have loads of them. We have really, really, really good fighters. And when we have that, there's the elite of the elite. Like, Oliveira has proven that he is that, beating the likes of Poirier, Chandler, and others. Makachev has not proven that yet. He has not proven he has the game to beat the elite of the elite. But maybe he does. Maybe. I, I, it's it's definitely not saying that he doesn't. I I... I, you know, you said you're leaning Oliveira. I'm probably leaning Makachev, to be honest. I think he's very, very good. And I, I, I look, I'm really excited. Do you know what this is, Graham? And I think you'll agree with this. This is what people wanted Habib versus Tony Ferguson to be. You have the elite jiu-jitsu guy against the hard-nosed heavy wrestler. Uh, that, that was never going to be a, a real matchup in Habib versus Tony Ferguson because Tony Ferguson wasn't half as good as people made out. But Charles Oliveira is. Charles Oliveira is brilliant. Uh, Makachev is brilliant too, and it's going to be a brilliant matchup. I don't know who's going to win. We'll have more of a preview show, as I said, later in the week with all the lads. We'll have our picks out during the week as well. And honestly, I don't know who I'm going to pick yet. Did You You said Oliveira was the underdog, did you, with the betting? Uh, yeah. Nuts. That's very interesting. And, we'll, uh, and I suppose we'll, we will see how that goes. But uh, we, we will... Uh, We'll move on, maybe. we talk about the, the co-main event, because the co-main event is another fantastic fight. Aljamain Sterling 
against TJ Dillashaw. Look, I think I don't think TJ Dillashaw should be getting the title fight right now. I think most people uh, would agree with that as well. He fought Corey Sandhagen after being out for two years, f- after taking EPO. Uh, it was a split decision. I, I think a good few people thought Corey Sandhagen won that fight, and he comes in against Sterling. Yeah, very. I think most people, most people had that for for Sandhagen. Yeah, I, I wonder. I, I was thinking about this during the week, and uh, maybe t- talked about it in some podcasts. Like, how much of that was a function of like TJ Dillashaw's contract? and how much he's getting paid that they're putting him back into a title fight but uh, alas I suppose that doesn't matter Aljamain Sterling has been on I suppose the, the run of his career uh, over the last few years beating Brett Johns the man Rivera uh, Munoz Sandhagen you know destroying Sandhagen uh, obviously the illegal knee with Jan but didn't come back and won the decision against Jan as well and, and looked you know, really much improved as well yeah looked very good you know, obviously a very very close fight there was a lot of talk about the decision there and the 10-8s and different things as well in that but a very very good win from there no matter what against the, the person in Perian, who we'll talk about in a minute who everyone thought was the best in that division and would be the, the consensus champion or the consensus number one for years and years and years and Sterling I suppose has met all the potential that people thought he had for years and years and years coming into this uh, I think the one interesting thing about this Graham TJ Dillashaw 36 years of age we kind of forget sometimes that TJ is a little bit older being out of the game for two years with only one fight okay Sterling is 33 but there's a there can be a big difference there as well uh, I wonder how much that will actually hinder TJ I wonder how much his movement will be hindered by like we know what TJ is very strong wrestler but he's predominantly a striker now with that Dwayne Ban- L- Bang Ludwig movement trying to catch you with loads of kicks, trying to catch you with the, the high-intensity striking. He can go for days. He's unbelievable cardio. He's a very, very good chin, and his movement is absolutely fantastic. Matching up with um, uh, Aljamain Sterling, who... I think is very kind of long and languid and good movement on the outside in a very, very different sort of way, but has very good wrestling as well, dominant on top. And he showed in that Yan uh, fight that his ability to use that wrestling, we often talk about it, people give up on it sometimes, his ability to use that wrestling and keep going back to it is better than it ever was. And that's a big high uh, high point in, I suppose, uh, in, in the ledger for him. Um, it's a fight at their... At their very top, if TJ Dillashaw I thought was in his prime, which I'm not sure he is or not, it's, it's difficult to tell. Um, I I think it would be very, very close based on Aljamain Sterling on what he is now. Um, no, I, I think I'd have to probably give the edge to Sterling. I just think if TJ's, uh, you know, you look at Mo Salah here recently, if he's kind of half a yard of pace off, he's not the same. You know, he's uh, people laughed at me the other day, I called Mo Salah a speed player. I think TJ Dillashaw is a speed fighter. I really think he's speed and the other, it's the same with Dominic Cruz. If your speed is off a little bit, it's so noticeable. Whereas like, if you look at, I don't know, a Stipe Miocic or, or you know, even a, say an Usman maybe or whoever, if they're a little bit slower, I don't, it wouldn't make as much of a difference to them as a TJ or a Dimitri Johnson or someone like that who were built on speed and built on quick not even just speed but built on quick movements that I think that could be an issue Sterling isn't Sterling is even one of those people who isn't built, built on quick movements he's built on technique I think from the outside being a different sort of uh, fighter from the outside and being strong and athletic in on the inside I suppose on the ground as well who would you favour Graham how, how would you break it down would you agree or disagree with any of the, the stuff I said there 
Yeah, yeah, I, I do think uh, this this is definitely uh, Sterling should be the favorite here, and it's kind of his fight to lose. You know, Tillishaw, he's been around a long time. Thirty six is, you know, I I would have thought even he could have been a little bit older before you said that. Maybe thirty eight, thirty nine. He's been around a long time. He's been he's been in you know out of action. <sighs> What was it before the Sandhagen fight? He was yeah, out two three years, and a half yeah. years. Was it was or, that long? Sorry, two, Jesus, yeah. Or was it two two years? Two years and yeah. his last win, like against Cody Garbrandt. If you take away that Sandhagen fight, that like was razor close, and that most people thought that he lost. Then that's a long time since that, that Cody Garbrandt win. That's four years ago. <sighs> More than four years ago. That's that's a long time and. You know, I didn't think he looked great against Sandhagen. Yeah. Is it the Muay Thai style that he implements on the feet? Is is it kind of style of of yesteryear a bit? It's the game's kind of evolved past that. He he's not strict strictly a Muay Thai guy, but a lot of it is kind of based in Muay Thai and. Yeah, like, you know, the common opponent in, in Corey Sandhagen, we saw what, I know it's not MMA math or whatever, but we saw what Sterling did to Sandhagen, he, absolutely flawless performance, took his back and, and submitted him, um, absolutely brilliant. Uh, Dillashaw's definitely got to be careful early, but Dillashaw's in a lot of fights that have really close rounds, and, you know, that's a lot of the lot of the reason why, reasons why he has split decisions and, and a lot of decisions in his career, and... Yeah, I could see this being being like that again. It could, could be three two either way, but I I do think Sterling uh, has has more advantages. And you know, as you mentioned with the wrestling, maybe TJ Dillashaw can shrug them off early, but uh, Sterling's not going to give up. He's going to keep chaining them together. He's going to try and you know, if he if he misses twenty takedowns, he'll try and get to the twenty first one, and that's very hard to deal with. And uh, you know, Sterling, as I mentioned there, even though the uh, obviously he won by quote, finish in the first Peter Yan fight with, with the, <laughs> the illegal knee. Uh, I tell you, uh, you, you, even though the, the second fight went to such a close decision, I thought he actually looked much improved in that fight. And he looked, he looked uh, even in his body, he looked a little bit stronger. Um, yeah, so, uh, yeah, I think TJ Dillashaw would have to kind of reel back the years here and put on one of his uh, really high intensity, really quick, good timing, uh, range performances. And after being kind of out for so long and only having one fight where you, I didn't think he looked great. I think I think it's a big ask, but you know maybe he'll rise to the occasion at, at the you know the the last title shot. You know he he knows himself that if he loses this, it's going to be very difficult to get back to the title shot. He's probably counting himself lucky, as you mentioned, to even be in this title shot. It might, as you said, be a we're paying him so much. We need him in big fights to justify this. So. It's a huge, huge fight for T.J. Dillashaw. This is kind of his his last chance, really, to to you know be, uh, regain the championship. So he, he'll be giving it everything, but I think it's a it's a big ask, and I think I think Sterling will get it done. Uh, yeah, I, I would tend to agree. Uh, we'll break down most of the other fights over in the preview show this week. Uh, we, we'll talk about uh, Darius and Gamra. We'll talk about the Chukagan Fiero fight. Uh, Mohamed Makayev is back on this card as well. Kobahalio, for me, one of the top prospects uh, in the UFC at the moment and all the rest of that. Two more fights I just want to quickly touch on, uh, Graham, before we move on. Yan Sean, versus. <laughs> what, what you said, the two Shans. Yeah, let's not touch on the Sugar, Sugar Sean. Him versus Yan. Uh, like, I really, really like this fight because it is the guy who lost in the title fight going back, beating one of the best up-and-comers or trying to and trying to get back to the top. And it's one of the best up-and-comers taking on that second guy in line and having no qualms about doing it to get to the title fight. Like, that's why I think 
the Shamaya versus Robert Whitaker fight makes so much sense. This is the exact same fight, and I, I, I really, I, I, I took time to think about it. It made no sense to me at the start. Not that it made no sense, but it was mad at the start. It wasn't the normal sort of fight we get at the start. But God Almighty, I love it. The, the, I'm very interested in the matchup. Can O'Malley's kind of? I, I remember we, we used to have the phrase neo footwork before, and maybe he's not quite that. But and that maybe TJ Dillashaw is more that. But can that kind of outside long kicking game? beat the I suppose forward motion Mai Tai kickboxing is ish game of Peter Yan with a bit of grappling and a bit of um a bit of fence work thrown up against it. I'm very, very interested to see that. Also a big thing here uh, I think is a massive factor in this. Can Sean O'Malley's body hold up? That is a big thing here because we've seen in the past it hasn't been able to and Peter Yan, if this isn't a quick finish for Sean O'Malley, he will make you uh, decide if your body is going to hold up or not because he will put it on you. I'm, I am really looking forward to this. I, are you, uh, are you on the boat? I don't think there's many people on the boat with me. I think a lot of people are like sneering at this fight and don't like it. But what do you think? Yeah, I really like it. I think you know, obviously, Sean O'Malley had a lot of hype uh, over the last few years, and yeah, it, it seems to have kind of died down a little bit. You know, obviously, it was unfortunate no contest in the last one, things like that, but. Even, you know, the the highlight reels have kind of dried up. But I think if he's going to win this fight, he needs to, he needs to kind of fight a really non-fan favorite and unfan-friendly fight, make it really boring, stay on the outside, frustrate Jan, try to pick his moments to, to land his big strikes uh, very, very carefully here. Uh, if he doesn't do that, yeah, I think, as you said, I think Peter Jan could break him up. Uh it's a it's a difficult fight for for O'Malley in my opinion. I think Peter Yan, although he's obviously coming off uh, losses to uh, not back to back, but uh, two losses and three fights to to Sterling, uh, I think he still has a claim for being the best in the division. You know that was a razor close uh, decision against Sterling in the last fight, and the one before that was going his way in my opinion before the illegal knee, which was obviously a really stupid thing to do. Um, by Peter Yan there throw throw like such a blatant illegal knee for no reason when you're you've got the guy in trouble so maybe like you know obviously you can't really account for mistakes like that or uh, you know something just uh, not thinking properly and just letting a strike like that go I don't see that happening again either I, I, I think O'Malley's got to make this boring he's got to he, he's got to just stay on the outside try and make it a sparring match and if he is to land a big strike, make sure that, that uh, he's straight on his bike afterwards. And even if he does that, you know, Peter Yang could land a, a big strike and on, uh, get inside and land a big strike and steal the round. So I, I do think this is a this is a very difficult fight for Sean O'Malley to win. So I'm yeah. surprised. Uh, I would tend to agree. Yeah, I kind of, my head says Yan and not that my heart says O'Malley, but I... I I kind of appreciate the kind of the ball's own nature of, of just taking this fight uh, and going in and testing yourself against Yan. Irish bias, I think it is. Yeah, but like, like <laughs> I, I think Sean O'Malley is very cringe and very try hard and all. I really don't think it, it works, honestly. Um, but if it he seems wins, to work, this though. Fight, it does seem to attract outside interest. Uh, does it? Really? On the surface level, anyway, I think it, it mm-hmm. did uh, before. Anyway, uh, on his on his rise, uh, I'm not sure. I, I, into the UFC, I think 
I'm not there sure. Was a bit of interest. You had the Snoop Dogg thing with you know when he was on the Dana White Contender in the series, and he was like, "Oh, Mally," and he was just drinking his fucking Jack Daniels and stuff. But Sipping yeah, on gin and juice. That's it. Right yeah, back. indeed. With Uriah Faber, that was actually like that's basically what Daniel Cormier does now. They've, they've just brought just get Snoop Dogg to do that. And I go, oh, sorry, I said I wouldn't talk about Cormier anymore. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> Maybe he is drunk. That would explain a lot. <laughs> he was one time. He even said it. Anyway, Bilal Muhammad, Sean Brady. God, I love this fight. I really, really... Another, like, up-and-coming... No, not up-and-coming, but, like, contender fight for the next guy. And this this should be, like... If it's not the next guy in line, it should be the next guy in line after that. I really, really like Sean Brady. I think he's so well-rounded. He's strong. He can strike. He's wrestling. He's brilliant. We've seen Bilal's wrestling, how good it's been over the last while. He can strike, too. I I would favour Sean Brady in this fight, but I have been wrong about Bilal so many times and underrated him so many times. I don't think this is going to be a classic fight by any means, but I do think it's going to be an absolutely brilliant battle. What, what do you think in this one? Quickly, yeah. before we... Uh, I think Bilal, Bilal, Bilal Muhammad's a very difficult guy to look good against. He He's very underrated. He may not be doing anything flashy, but he does everything very well and his uh, fight IQ is high. He's able to follow a game plan. As I said, he's, he's difficult to, to get your game going against. So... This is a big step up for Sean Brady. He's looked he looked great, but uh, you know uh, Michael Chiesa, Jake Matthews, they're good wins, but they're uh, if he was to be, believe Bilal, uh, to beat Bilal Muhammad, it would be the biggest win of his career. So um, I was surprised uh, looking at the odds to see that Sean Brady's the the, the slight favorite. I'd have to. I think this is Bilal Muhammad's fight. Ooh, interesting. We'll have to do. We'll do, we'll do a bet. I'll go. Um, I'll go Brady and uh, what was the other one we said? Um, I'll go Brady and Makachev. You can go Oliveira and and Bilal. With tenor, do you want to do it, Graham? Tenor. So both of them have to win, or just yeah, yeah, we got both both up. Ten, tenor, right, yeah. both of them. Okay, let's Good. do. It. Yeah, All right, no problem. Perfect. Um, right, next week as well. There are two one championship cards. I'll actually have breakdowns on both of them over in Sherdog, so we won't go through them massively here. But there are a couple of very very fun fights. Uh, on there's there's two cards. There's four MMA fights. There's only a couple, of, a couple of fights each card. <laughs> there, there is, yeah, some very very interesting stuff. The the first card, the one sixty two card, um. It's a lot of grappling. There's, a, it's very interesting. Alex Silva against Gustavo Ballart. Gustavo Ballart is four foot eleven. He, he he's tiny. He was um, a Cuban Olympian in Greco-Roman wrestling, but he's striking a lot now. He's like muscly as fuck to make one fifteen. I think it is. Although in one championship, it's like one twenty five. I think, but uh, he's fighting against Alex Silva, who's like all. 10 stoppages in his career by submission so that should be uh, interesting uh, Lisa, uh, Leandro Issa who fought in the, in the UFC he's 11 submission wins uh, his opponent Artem Black is 10 submissions and 8 wins there's a lot of a lot of grappling uh, on that ten, one 10 submissions and 8 wins sorry what did I say <laughs> 7 submissions and 8 wins my apologies uh, and yeah the, the, it's pretty good then John Lineker is on the next day we know what John Lineker is like but his opponent uh, Fabrizio Andrade he's a southpaw who's very fast who kicks to the body who's very tall uh, as well a big finisher so that should be a, a fun fight and there's honestly there's a lot of good stuff so I'll uh, check out my preview over on uh, uh, on Sherdog for, for both of those cards which will be out during the week um, I think that is almost it Graham to, uh, apart from uh, obviously uh, last week so uh, let's throw it over to uh, Sean Sheen here to talk about uh, whoever the fuck fought on Saturday night This Duran 
needs to learn what the meaning of the word friend is. Stitch Duran and I were never friends. We were work associates. Every time Tyrone Woodley opens his mouth, he shoots himself in the foot. He's just, he's just a, he's a very unlikable guy. Nobody deserves anything. You gotta earn it. You got Rockhold right now screaming, I deserve this. You just got knocked out in the first round. You don't deserve anything. I think the people that are surrounding him right now are fucking morons. Whoever the asshole is that showed up at that television show with him and let him make that appearance is a fucking idiot, and I'd like to beat him with a stick. The guy couldn't pass the broadcast. You're so weak-minded and so addicted to marijuana that you couldn't stay off it enough to pass the drug test three times a year. Well, guess what, dummy? They drug test in the real world, too. Cocaine isn't cheap. Anybody here disagree with me that Mazzagatti in Toolbox? Them hacking our site was the best thing they could have ever done for us. Because what that does is now you look like terrorists. Saint Survivor. Let's vote them off. Beat them off. Thank you very much, Shawnee Wright. Uh, I am joined now by uh, Yin O'Neill. Uh, late on, on Saturday night to quickly go through the, uh, the UFC card. And when I say quickly, I mean very, very quickly. Um, not a great card, Ian. I suppose on paper, uh, an average enough card in practice. Uh, maybe not worse, but maybe hit our expectations. Look, the main event wasn't bad. There were some good knockouts throughout, but the best fight that we wanted to see on the card... Uh, the, the, the flyweight fight between Askar Askarov and Brendan Rival fell out. Obviously, a few weeks ago, Kenny Nier was supposed to fight Strickland. That fell out. Neil Magny versus Rodriguez was supposed to be on that as well. That fell out a, a good while ago. Uh, and, you know, it, it was a card that was missing those probably three fights. Um, there was some talent on it, some good results, some good fights. But overall, pretty disappointing. What was your take overall, I suppose, before we get into a couple of the fights? Yeah, not really great. I mean... I was trying to get excited about the card before coming into it. I was looking forward to that flyweight fight. It's really unfortunate that that fell that fell through. Um, that kind of was a blow to the card before it even started, and um, it started all right. A couple of very good, decent fights early on. Obviously, Mike Jackson was in there, but the uh, kind of card kind of fizzled out a little way, bit midway through. It was kind of difficult to get through, and. You know, knowing what card we have in store for us next weekend, this is one that I'm kind of glad is is over now, and it won't be remembered in years to come. I'm sure as well. Yeah, I, I was talking to someone earlier on, and uh, I was talking about like covering MMA as a job and stuff, and they'd be like, "Ah, sure, you'll be watching it anyway." And I actually think if I wasn't covering MMA, I don't think I would be watching this card. <laughs> if I'm being honest, I actually don't think I would have stayed up and watched it. And uh, it was that, that's what MMA has done to the hardcores of what we love or what the UFC has done, I suppose. There's just so much of it now. It's very hard. Now, we won't be saying that next week because it's a brilliant card, but this is one of them. And you know, we won't harp on that too much either because we don't want to be giving out and don't want to be turning this into Speaker's Corner. But Yeah, and next, next week is at a decent time as well, which is yeah. good. But I mean... There's nothing like if you didn't stay up and watch that card Miss last me. night and recorded it all, and we can get up on Sunday morning and fast forward through it all. It's probably not that bad, but we had to wait through a bunch of filler, bunch of wasted conversation, and a couple of lackluster fights as well. So that you know, I mean, there's a couple of those fights if you're watching back 
you can just fast forward them and you're not going to miss a whole lot of them anyway, really. So yeah, it's just what the way it's gone I, lately, which is sad. I, yeah, it, it definitely is. Um, I suppose some some of the highlights. Look, the, the main event: Alexa Grasso versus Viviane Arujo. It was a good, you know, five round battle, I suppose. With Grasso just kind of coming out on top the whole way through. As you mentioned, we were we were kind of watching together, and you were saying her jab was just shining through. And I think that was kind of the story of the fight. She got that takedown. Was it in the second round? And I think any fears of maybe a cardio issue, which I talked about before, were taken away by that. She had a, you know, she basically had like two or three minutes of rest there on the ground. She got back up and she looked fresher than Aharuja. And I, it was kind of at that point where I thought, if Aharuja is going to land maybe the big shot and try to get her out of there or win, you know, win the decision, she needs to be taken the next round and needs to take it away from her, take the fight away from her. And I thought it was a very close round. I probably would have given it to Aharuja, but when the fight was even at that stage and good and, uh, and in the fourth round, it was going into it. And I think Alexa Grasso was still fit and able to throw her strikes the way she wanted to throw them and hadn't taken any, any damage and wasn't looking that tired. That was a fight I think that Aharuja was going to struggle to win from that point. Uh, I thought it would be the opposite. I thought, Grasso would have to like put in a lot of energy to win those first three rounds and win two of those first three rounds. I would maybe fade in the fourth and fifth, but it didn't really look that. And the judges in the end, I think you said, what is it, 5 0, 5 0, and 4 1. And I think that was kind of the story of the fight. It was a good performance, though, by Grasso. What, what would you uh, say about the, the fight itself and I suppose the performance? Yeah, I thought it was a good performance by Grasso. Um, you know, it really kind of the fight turned in the second round for me. And Arujo took the fight down, kind of didn't really do too much damage on top, but we kind of maintained top position for a couple of minutes. But Grasso was kind of able to get back up and then get off some of her strikes. And it's kind of like the confidence went away from Arujo then. I think some of her gas tank went away there. Her arms might have got a little bit like she started to look a little bit more tired after that exchange. And then maybe that doubt started to creep in for her where she didn't really try to initiate initiate any grappling or takedowns for the rest of the fight after that either. So, I mean, Grasso kind of, you know, stuck her jab and stuck to her game plan, just kept, said walking her down in boxing range, um, you know, was happy to trade punches with her. You know, at times didn't look like she was going to be able to cause too much damage, but then other times landed some good shots on Arujo, and you know, Arujo landed some good shots of her own. But I just think overall, the better body of work came from Grasso. Um, proved she was good enough on the night, but not too sure how much further she would get based off that performance. It was not. A, it was a good performance, but not a spectacular performance. Yeah, I think that's fair. Probably puts her in line next up for for. Um uh, for Valentina Shashenko, if you know someone else doesn't stake claim, and I suppose isn't Manofiro here fighting very soon? Maybe she'll be the one. But you know, at this present moment, I suppose Grasso puts herself in there. Maybe if Shevchenko goes up or something, maybe there's a number one contender fight. But you know, I think Grasso's put herself in a very good position now. Is it a good enough of a performance to guarantee it? I would say probably not. But look, a good win anyway over Aruja, who I fancied uh, to win, gone into it. But Grasso took the fight away from her, and uh, she was definitely the better fighter on the night. Uh, the same probably could be said, I suppose, for Jonathan Martinez against Cub Swanson. Uh, I think if I was to take one thing from this fight, I think Cub going down to 135 was just an unmitigated disaster. Uh, every time he got hit anywhere in the body, it looked like he was gone. 
you know, and, and it's easy to say that, I suppose, if you just look at the end and see he was kicked in the leg. And it was, I, it was uh, you know, it's a leg kick K, uh, TKO, people are calling it. That was a leg kick KO because, like, he literally got flattened. He literally, like, went limp for a second. I've never seen that before from uh, from a kick to the leg. But he got hit to the body earlier on, went down. He got hit in the, like, in the arm at one stage. You could see it hurt him. He got hit in the leg multiple times. You could see it hurt him, like, more than usual. Like, we've seen Cub take those shots before, and he's walked through them, or take, seen others take those shots before and walked through them. It just felt like every part of Cub Swanson was drained. He was at the media day the other day, like refusing to talk, getting someone else to talk for him. Like, that's not a good sign when you're like cutting away it. Uh, I thought it was a big issue. Martin is a good fighter, like, but the level Cub Swanson has been at in his career to look like this and that sort of fight, I, I didn't think it was great. What did you think, Ian? Just to break the fourth wall here, we actually had to stop that and edit it out there because I got attacked by a spider uh, in the middle of that, and I had to. I, I looked. I looked so weak. I had to go. Anyway, what do you think it comes on to the this one? Anderson Silva came in to do some. <laughs> He's up behind me on the wall, but anyway. <laughs> I am looking. To, it was the cut down to one thirty-five. It was just not the right move for Cub Swanson. We kind of talked about it a little bit on the preview shows, like. What was the point of a fight like this for Cub Swanson? You know, if he wanted to get back in there again, you could give him a winnable fight maybe at 145. What's the point of cutting down that extra rate? It just didn't work out. You know, Martinez looked the bigger fighter in there even, which was strange as well, considering that Cub was coming down, which is, you know, a guy to me who just looked like didn't have a good cut. Like you said, the signs before the fight, not talking at your interview, didn't look great when he was weighing in and ultimately wasn't able to take the shots tonight. Martinez knew to go to the body early. He started kicking to the body very early in round one, and um, it kind of all caught up on Cub Swanson eventually. And I mean, I, I wouldn't be disappointed if I didn't see Cub Swanson fight again. I think we're getting close to the time where, um, you know, he has nothing else to give to the sport, and hopefully he makes that decision sooner rather than later. Yeah, I think Cub is one of those guys who's kind of said that himself before, that he's like, oh, I'm almost at that stage. And I think let's let's take that jump and, you know, let's let's move to retirement now. He's been around for a long time, been in lots of big fights, been had lots of big opportunities. And I was actually only talking to your seven spinster about it and Harry earlier on, that, like, I think he I believe he deserved the title shot at one stage and was robbed of it uh, when he was on a six fight win streak and that's I suppose the only thing he can look back at uh, with any discomfort I suppose in his career he's had a very very good career and I think a lot of people would say overachieved even uh, so uh, yeah it's cub onto the buyout now I don't think people would be uh, would be too mad at him. Uh, Rafael Asensio in the same car kind of is in the same position, but he came out of a win. Very good performance against Victor Henry, who entered the fight as a big favor. I remember talking about it in the betting show, and I was like, you know, Asensio at that price, I, I think I've, you know, I think I'd be looking at it. And he did very, very well uh, to get the win there. Um, Dusa Tatarovic as well got a nice knockout in the second round after being in a bit of trouble against Jordan Wright at the start of that. Alonzo Minifield didn't really have any trouble as <laughs> he knocked out Misha Sarkinov uh, in quick order there uh, in, in the last fight of the main card. Anything there stand out to you, Ian, on the rest of the main card? I suppose two big wins for the light heavy or for the, the middleweights and, and the light heavyweights there. And uh, and Aston so I suppose, possibly in his career, he was kind of hinting at retirement but didn't fully say it. So I won't be saying looking forward to his next one. But yeah, uh, you know, I suppose the, 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 the Minifield fight was maybe the most fun one for the, for the couple of minutes it lasted. Yeah, 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 he was pretty good, pretty crisp strike and a nice finish from him as well. But with Aston Sow, this is just a huge win. You know, he snaps a, a four-fight losing streak 
um, you know, probably, you know, guarantees himself another couple of fights in the UFC with that win as well. I'm not quite, I wasn't quite sure what they were trying to do with that fight, whether they were trying to maybe springboard Victor Henry um, up the rankings. I think they as well. were. I yeah, and I don't know whether it worked out all too well. Aston Sau performed very well in there. Didn't didn't look old. Didn't like you know. It was just a typical Aston Sau performance. And you know the losses that he had in these last four fights against Marais Santek and Garbrandt and Ricky Simon. I mean, yeah, they're no scrubs. So uh, a good win for him is back in the win column. And you know another couple of fights. Um, he'll be having down the line I guess I, I can see him retiring I know he was very emotional after the fight obviously snapping that it'd be a great way to go out for him but <laughs> nobody ever does it that way indeed they don't uh, we had a good few decisions in on the undercard uh, Mana Martinez beat uh, Brandon Davis almost uh, almost had him finished at the end of the second but got the win anyway uh, Jacob Malkoon beat Nick Massimov a lot of leg kicks and stuff there there was a nice uh, rear naked choke submission for Deanderson Brito uh, Rodriguez and Sam Hughes had probably the most boring fight of the night not great there three quick rounds or quick, quick the opposite of quick three fucking long rounds there um, Pete Rodriguez knocked out um, Mike Jackson as you mentioned there you know Jackson probably is going uh, uh, you know probably going to be his last fight in the UFC if we're being honest what about um, this Johnny if you're an Irish MMA promotion, you're oh, bringing Mike. That. You're bringing Mike Jackson over, and you're doing that Dean Barry rematch, oh, and that's it. Oh, you gotta do it now, without a shadow of a doubt. But like, even if you're, I don't think an Irish MMA promotion would be able to to afford that. I don't think. But like, let's say you're fucking KSW or Octagon. I think that'd be a good fight for them to put on. Like, if let's say Dean wins it, which I think he probably would, then you bring Dean in and you have you know have him on a run and then you rise him up through the ranks in in, in your promotion. I think that'd be. I think that'd make a lot of sense. But you know, since and MMA yeah. doesn't necessarily go together. You need to put Cage Legacy World Title. That's what Cage Legacy World Title. Oh, we'll talk about that in a minute. Uh, Tatsu Tiara. I know you're very impressed with him, you know. Yeah, he's a very well-rounded fighter now. Moved to 12-0 and 0 tonight. Um, yeah, CJ Vergara look, could have been, you know, and, and did prove a difficult test at times in this fight. You know, um, came back from a strong kind of a first round and was looking good in round two. Tiara decided to take the fight down. Um, you know, was dominating on the ground as well. Um, switched up, had back control for the longest time in round two. Switched for an arm bar. Locked it in a really, really good performance. I know you were giving it socks on Twitter with the armbar finish as well. We haven't had an armbar in a long time. Not no. for a while, but yeah, this is a Tatsuro Tiara is a guy that we need to be looking out for um, in the flyweight division. Another really exciting prospect. Look at only 22 years of age. At times tonight, it was trying to rush into positions, trying, you know, maybe rushing and overextending a little bit on the feet as well. But you know what? If the UFC match this guy right, and if they continue to match him with guys and with tests like CJ Vergara can give a guy, we don't want to see him fast rolled here. I think there's a bit of a, a road to go with Tiara, but there, he's got a good ceiling. He's well-rounded already. He's young, so he can build into this division. And um, yeah, I'm excited for him now and, and to see his future. Very good. Um, there was 
Octagon and KSW fights as well this weekend. Uh, some surprising results uh, on those cards. I see uh, Katharina de Lidze beat Mallory Martin. You're very surprised by that one. I actually haven't seen the fight yet. But uh, I had Martin as a big favourite going into that one. I even gave her, gave her as one of my bets. But um, surprising. You know, that makes Danny McCormack look pretty good, doesn't it? You know, Danny McCormack took out the Lidze very, very easily. And now she's a win over Mallory Martin. Um, Alexander Popic got a, a win there. John Hathaway. We'll talk about him in a second. I'll throw it over to you. And I know you saw that. Leandro Silva beat Vo- uh, Bojan Velishevich. Uh, and Christian Eckerling as well who uh, Andy talked to didn't he over in Severe Men the last couple of weeks he's a big star over in Germany now and he moves on he's on a bit of a run there won, won by rear naked chalk what about that John Hathaway fight though uh, and the win won by unanimous decision three tough rounds I suppose after uh, after such a long period out his last fight was Dong Hyung Kim uh, back in 2014 great to see John Hathaway back um, and I know that we obviously we had an interview with him as well with uh, with Harry up on, on the website uh, and it was absolutely brilliant to see uh, John Hathaway back how, how was the performance from him? Yeah, really dominant one-sided performance from from Hathaway. Didn't really mess around too much on the feet, close the distance straight away, body lock takedown was kind of on the back um, for most of the first round, um, just dominating landing shots. I think the scorecards had it like if maybe a two 30-26s and a 30-24, which kind of tells the tale of the fight, really. Um, you know, Ricardo, he, he didn't really offer too much. Like, I mean, there was a clear discrepancy in skills. Hathaway was dominant from bell to bell. He almost had the fight finished in round two, and in my opinion, should have had the fight finished in round two. He must have been laying down ground and pound in, in the mounted position, hammering Ricardo, and the referee was just refusing to step in and, and stop it. He was right there, but just waiting to kind of stop the fight at the end of the round. And then Hathaway just kind of came out in round three and just dominated in the grappling as well as that that body lock clinch taking the back. Um, it was a really strange moment in the fight with the ref as well where Hathaway had his back. Um, Ricardo was trying to post and trying to get back up to the feet where he had his knee on the ground with his toe and he, his toe would have been facing the mat, heel facing the ceiling per se. John Hathaway stood on his calf just to kind of st- keep that leg control. I'd never seen it before, but the referee said it wasn't allowed, but it clearly was allowed. Was like, it, mean, was it just small bone manipulation or whatever it's called? Was he manipulating his toes? It, it could have been. We were, I was questioning it. I saw Capoza actually tweeting about it as well, saying it was a bullshit call from the ref. Like it didn't, like Sounds it was just yeah. like, he was just like at the bottom of, at the bottom just where your calf muscle is starting to get like a little bit smaller and going into your Achilles kind of standing on the heel but it was stopping it was stopping Ricardo from standing up I thought it was an excellent technique the referee said it was uh, you're not allowed to do it I think he ended up ended up doing it anyway later in the fight so I just thought it was a strange call but the referee definitely blew it in round two probably stopped John Hathaway getting a TKO uh, on his comeback but overall a dominant performance, a great comeback story from John Hathaway. And if you haven't listened to Harry's interview with him yet, definitely go over there. It's a great story and a great interview with him over on the on the YouTube channel. A hundred percent. With KSW then, obviously the main event fell out, which was very, very unfortunate. Um, and it was, I, I would say it was a bad night for KSW in terms of their 205 pound division. They were probably trying to set up a rematch between Arslan and Narcoon for the championship. Arslan, the, or, or sorry, against uh, Ibrahim uh, Shugayev, uh, who was fighting Arslan. Um, 
that fight never happened and then Narcoon lost got hit with one of the KOs of the year against Luis Enrique uh, De Silva and it was uh, it wasn't an early KO either it was at the start of the second round beautiful KO there so a big win for De Silva he's taken on a lot of guys and fair play to him he fights everyone over in KSW a big win there for him in the main event then, then Robert Rojala uh, against uh, Damien Stesiak he won the split decision there Rojala is one of their big stars uh, on the way up he's 8-0 and now 145 so very interesting time there Daniel Lemon and Chuck uh, won as well as Adam Saldaev. Um, so yeah, overall, uh, KSW they always put on good cards and uh, they had some big knockouts and a very, very noteworthy card this week. So, very interesting stuff there altogether. Uh, before we go, uh, let's quickly talk about I, I know you were watching Cage Conflict and you'll talk about it on the old triangle uh, as you will with lots of different things but uh, on that card uh, John Redmond was uh, due to fight uh, Kyle McClurkin and uh, apparently the fight was pulled Johnny went on uh, Instagram and, and other places on social media and kind of called out one of our colleagues here Andy Stevenson for tweeting about the fight saying that, you know, Johnny had a loss a couple of weeks ago and that, uh, I think there was a tweet afterwards saying that Safe MMA had banned him until the middle of next month um, and, that, you know, basically questioning if Johnny should be fighting um, so quickly after being knocked out, which is a very fair question to ask. If, if you're a media member, that's the sort of question you should be asking. Now, as I say myself, and I'm, I'm sure Andy will probably say after as well, and I'll obviously let him speak about it uh, on the Old Triangle this week or whoever he wants to speak with, if he wants to come on uh, over on Patreon or whatever, no problem. But, uh, you know, you're always better, obviously, to talk about on podcasts, like they talk about stuff like that for a more nuanced view and all that. But at the same time, um, the reaction that came from John Redmond. Uh, was ridiculous because he says the fight was pulled because of that Um, now the fight was pulled because they found out I I assume that he was banned he didn't pass he didn't get medically medically. that's what Kyle McClarkin said as well but he's not medically cleared because he's banned because he's a fight two weeks ago like whose fault is that he was the one who went in there got knocked out and lost the fight a couple of weeks ago safe MMA are the ones that banned him for a, a, what's a journalist or an MMA reporter's job? It's to go out there and tell the truth, put the facts out there and let people decide on them. That's all Andy did. And if people decided, saw those facts, decided on them and decided to make a decision one way, well, do you know what? He did his job the right way. You can blame whoever you want for making that decision. Andy made no decision to come out and basically threaten him. Just to say, oh, I'll see you again or whatever. It's absolutely disgraceful. It, it really, really is. Um... I don't think there's any place for that. You know, we have covered the Irish fighters for years better than anyone. We've covered our country's fighters better than any other country in the world by a country in my life. No problem saying that. And uh, good, the good comes with the bad. You know, the good comes with the bad. And I tell you, there's a lot of bad for John Redmond out there. And we could say a lot more about him than, than we have said. And... You know, we've talked about it when we when we need to talk about it. We praise fighters when we need, need to praise them. But when things need to be said to, we have to say it. Remember, we are the country who went through Joe Carvalho's death and the aftermath after that. We know what we're talking about with that. We have to learn very, very fucking quickly how to talk about that. And safety is paramount and it should be paramount. And even though we look at the UK or we look at other places and see people who have been knocked out fighting a couple of weeks later, what you know, to... to just allow that to keep going with that 
is uh, is up to the lawmakers right now. It's actually not up to us because we we can talk about it. And we've actually talked about that before, and we could ignore the reality of that happening all the time. And we absolutely won't do that. But if you're safe MMA, if you are the promoters. Uh, and uh, you know, the f- I, I suppose I wouldn't put the fighters in uh, on top of that. But if you are CFMA, if you are the promoters, then if you want to be taken seriously, then you should be standing by those rules too. And fighters need to be kind of saved from themselves at times. Absolutely. You know what I mean? And what you said, you we don't need another serious injury or a death in this country when it comes to mixed martial arts. It'll be detrimental. To everybody, you know, we're still reeling from the effects of what happened to Joe Carvalho back in 2016. And you just cannot afford to let that happen again. And when fighters are signed up to fight a week at a time, the chances of that are happening are, are much higher than than someone who has taken fights at like a good distance apart. Like safety yeah. has to be paramount here and it has to be highlighted when it's not being followed. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. And I... Look, maybe there's better ways of doing it. Maybe there's better ways of everyone doing it. Do you know what? The, the, the big story here shouldn't be uh, a reporter put out a tweet or a fighter got pulled from a, a fight. The big story here is actually that the fight was allowed to go ahead at the first place. What were the promoters doing? What are Cage Conflict doing? What are Safe MMA doing? What are, are, you know, what's the relationship between Cage Conflict and MMA? I think it should be a responsibility of them now to come out and tell us that and come out and put that out there on their social medias like they put everything else out there. I think that should be a big responsibility now and to see how much you're taking safety paramount because MMA is all well and good but if you're not taking safety uh, to you know to, to the, the largest extent as you should well that's a problem and now I'm not saying they are but they need to you know um come out and say that now the fight was pulled in fairness in the end so the right decision was made so maybe it was an oversight and maybe it's an honest oversight and I, you know 100% I could, I could believe it, it absolutely was but I think everyone needs to come out and kind of say that now and put every uh, put everything out on the out on the table after that because uh, there was uh, you know there was a lot of reaction going around to it and uh I put out what what I think here. I suppose on behalf of Severe May, I'm sure Andy will do the same uh, in in good time. And uh, I I would love for uh, uh, for everyone to do that as well. Because like at the end of the day, what what are we here to do? We're here to to talk about the truth. We're here to talk about uh, what actually happened, what's going to happen. And uh, we are not decision makers. The decision makers should be making decisions. And when the decision makers make a good decision, like pulling the fight, I would say very good. You should have pulled the fight. If the decision makers put on the fight, I would say, well, why the fuck are you putting on the fight two weeks after a guy got knocked out and is uh, and is medically suspended? Now, if he didn't get medically suspended and put it on two weeks after, I watched the fight. I actually didn't think it was that bad. Could Johnny have fought two weeks after that fight? I've seen people fight after much worse, way quicker. But the fact of the matter was, he was banned for safe MMA. It was there was a tweet going around about it, and uh, you know that's the fact of the matter. So we are dealing with facts here, and uh, we will. Uh, we will see how it goes after that. Um, right, unless there's anything else, Ian, we will leave it there. Thank you very much for joining me. Thank you to Graham as well earlier on. Thank you to everybody for listening. If you would like to sign up to our Patreon and you would like to support our work, please do patreon.com forward slash severe podcast. If this is not enough of a podcast for you, uh, you get loads of more podcasts there, but you can also get one over on the old triangles. Go on to SoundCloud, go on to iTunes, go on to Spotify, wherever you get it. Search the old triangle MMA. You will find it there with Eno, Andy, and uh, Limerick's own Quail Shadabara talking about all the uh, the best and brightest in Irish mixed martial arts. And it's up on YouTube too. Uh, 
Uh, follow Ian, I on Eel MMA. Follow Severe at Severe at Severe Pod as well over on Twitter and at Severe on YouTube and on Instagram as well. So at Severe on both of those places. And don't bother fucking following me. I'll see y'all from me, from Shawnee, from Ian over in Canada. We'll see you next week. Good luck. <laughs>